This is the Elite Game Developers Podcast, a podcast about the entrepreneurs and investors who are building the games companies of the future. I recently did a webinar with Anton and Sergey from investgame.net, where we talked about the M&A investment and IPO landscape of 2020 and how we felt that things were progressing and how the growth the, the, the crazy growth that happened in 2020 for the games industry actually went through and how it has affected the, the recent weeks already of 2021 and what do we believe will happen now going forward. You can get the presentation that we were showing in the webinar by going to EliteGameDevelopers.com and you can find it under the podcast page. But before we go to the episode, Here's a few words from our sponsors. We all know that developing a great game is one thing, but developing a great games business can be something else entirely. That's why some of the top game developers in the industry use IronSource's Game Growth platform, which takes care of both sides of the business, helping you monetize and to fuel your user acquisition. I for one wish we were using these guys in the early days of Next Games. You might also have heard of their Level Up podcast and a Medium blog. In terms of gaming content, this blog is up there with the best, featuring game industry experts talking all things game design, development and growth. See for yourself by searching for Iron Source Level Up on Medium or Spotify. Hey game developer, are you looking for great new authentic video creatives? Try something totally new with influencer-generated content, IGC, by Opera Event. Influencers and actors will make specific creative content for your games, and Opera Event will deliver you high-quality video ads that highlight the best parts of your game. Get a free video with a purchase of four or more videos. Remember to say that elite game developers sent you to claim your free video. Go to getigc.com to see some examples and get more information. That's getigc.com. Hey, let's get started. I'll give some logistics before we do the intro. So uh, to all the attendees, if you have questions, we're going to spend some time at the end getting questions answered from the attendees. So please do go to the Q&A and put your questions there and we'll get to those at the end. And without further ado, welcome everybody to this 2020 review webinar where we're going to be talking about last year, what happened in gaming, and we're going to throw in some predictions at the end as well for 2021. So I'm joined by Sergey and Anton from investgame.net on this one. So they they just are releasing a rep report about 2021, which you will get more information soon. And it's going to be available at investgame.net. But uh, I'll give it the floor now to Anton and Sergey. So please take it from here. And, and before we start, can you can you do a short introduction on investgame for folks that haven't heard about you before? Should I share the screen? Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 Please, please do that. Uh, do you see the screen? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you, you see it now? Yes. So, yeah, as you may see, we've changed the logo. Yeah, it's it looks fancy. <laughs> so, yeah, small intro about ourselves. Uh, my name is uh, Sergey. Uh, I'm a co-founder of uh, the platform which tracks uh, the deals around the go uh, around the world uh, only related to the gaming industry called investgame.net. Um, also working as the investment associate at uh, my games venture capital fund. So kind of my hobby that I'm doing on a sustainable basis. Yeah, um, my name is Anton, and um, I also work uh, for my games. I'm the head of the media project, which is called Player One. So me and Sergey are colleagues. 
And yeah, I'm also a co-founder of Invest Game, and that's what we do as a you know side hustle. I would call it that. So yeah, um, what we do is we uh, on a daily basis constantly track all announced deals in the gaming market. They are early and late stage deals, M&As, public offerings, like uh, everything that is of interest in terms of the um, gaming deals in the world, in the whole world. Yeah. Uh, we also collect data about the most uh, active uh, gaming funds and strategic investors with deal types, value, and focus. So all of this data is present on investgame.net. You may go check it out while you watch the webinar. Sergey, could you continue? Yes. So in addition to this, we're also you know, trying to make some articles uh, on a weekly basis uh, covering the most uh, interesting deals from our perspective and also sending on a weekly basis our digest, uh, which you can subscribe to and get some additional insights about the market and our thoughts regarding the valuation, uh, the future and some predictions uh, and strategies uh, of the gaming companies. Uh, so I think that we can uh, move on to the to the findings of our report that we have made for 2020. Uh, before we move on, I would love to actually thanks our team because uh, they've been working very hard. And it's not only us together with Anton, we also have uh, some team behind it. And the guys were making an incredible job during this uh, New Year holidays. So special thanks to them. Uh, Andre, Ivan, uh, Grigori. Uh, I hope they're you. watching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so special thanks to you. And yeah, let's jump in. So it's not a surprise for everyone uh, that, uh, you know, that COVID-19 pandemic and the lockdown caused uh, changes in the people's behavior and their preferences, uh, leading to the, I would say, bottom line improvements in the digital economy. And in particular, uh, strong leading to the strong demand of at-home activities one of them being the uh, gaming industry. Yeah, absolutely. So as you may see in the report, um, we've tracked over $33.6 billion deal value across, 600 and, oh, across over 660 transactions with uh, game developers and publishers being the key driver of investment activity. So you may see all of that on the present slide uh, that's the dissection into major categories of gaming. Um, in fact, over 50% of all deals are private investments, both VC and corporate. And uh, that reaches new heights with this year with approximately $6 billion deal value and over 360 closed deals. So just think about, just think about the number. 360 deals, almost a deal a day happened last year. It is good. Like at this like stage of the industry, kind of like where we are still in the pandemic, but the, the lockdowns started and people started adapting more gaming behaviors, which I think everybody's been talking about. Like then thinking about the business of gaming, which areas of gaming really benefited the most from this pandemic and the lockdowns? Um well. Speaking about the whole private investments market, key focus was on multi-platform game developers. They took nearly 40% of total raised value with, uh, well, obviously, I guess many of you, if not every one of you have heard about Epic Games and Roblox in top chart. Uh, in terms of the number of closed deals, mobile game companies were the most popular segment of investments. Uh, and that is kind of uh, predictable since lots of people started playing mobile games. So 20% of all deals uh, were mobile game companies, followed by esports companies, 19%. Are you guys switching the slides? I'm actually seeing this current slide constantly there. Just Sorry, make sure. it was my bad. It was my bad, yes. So no worries, no worries. I was trying to follow, yeah. So like thinking about this, the whole VC side of things, the early stage and that sector growing. Can you talk about this, the most active players here, Bitcraft, Galaxy, Andreessen and Makers? Like what, how did they do deals last year? Um, so yeah, 
I'm just going to start on this and Sergey will jump in. So as you may see from the table, the top three uh, VC funds last year were Bitcraft Ventures, Galaxy Interactive, and uh, not surprisingly, I guess, Anderson Horowitz. So together, all of them closed around 16% of all deals last year. And uh, all top three funds primarily invested in, as I've mentioned earlier, game developers and publishers. So yeah, what was uh, what was interesting about this uh, three funds that actually uh, each one of them uh, has uh, employed more than fifty percent of capital in game developers, developer, developers and publishers. So uh, nevertheless, they still have investments in the esport activities, uh, you know, and ecosystem related. I would say around gaming projects. Uh, the major part was devoted to the gaming. What was actually also very interesting about 2020 that we have seen many games uh, specialized VC raising capital or you know having fundraising campaigns. Uh, the most notable uh, say multiple use were from Griffin Gaming Partners raising, if I'm not mistaken, 235 somewhere around this. Uh, then followed by Beatcraft raising uh, over 160, and uh, and the rest funds like March Gaming, Transcend, V Games. Uh, Grecian Robotics and uh, some others. So I think that with interest rates being at historical lows and growing exit multiples that we see nowadays, institutional investors have shown strong demand uh, for the pandemic-proof uh, game industry. Uh, but on the other hand, what we might observe as well uh, is that all of these funds are primarily headquartered in the United States. So we're speaking about the, again, uh, the top three funds and in fact, the U.S. clearly dominated the global private investment market with over 75% of deal value uh, you know, being raised by the U.S.-based startups. Uh, and actually, the top 10 largest rounds have been also closed by U.S. startups. So quite a huge concentration of capital there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, th thinking about like the M&A space then, like all the exits that were happening in 2020. What were your observations and founding, findings there? Anton, you're muted, I think, if you're speaking. I was just, sorry about that. I was just trying not to like interrupt Sergey and forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, M&As have been amazing this, this last year. And the game industry actually thrived in 2020 in terms of exit deal activity, M&As, IPOs, showing an impressive recovery from the previous year and reaching $11.6 billion across about 220 closed transactions. That's important. Mm. Um, we've seen multiple mega deals, uh, both closed, including Big Games, $2 billion by Zynga, and Li Yu Technologies by Tencent, which was uh, $1.4 billion and announced deals as well, not yet closed. Uh, the one being, I guess, the biggest uh, uh, and the most hyped about deal of uh, 2020, uh, Zenimax being bought by Microsoft, that was $7.5 billion. Also Codemasters uh, being bought finally by Electronic Arts competing with uh, Take-Two and the price is $1.2 billion. So considering the recently announced acquisitions, the M&A's value would be $22.2 billion, making it, well, the record M&A year since 2016. Yeah, so if we, again, you know, get a little bit much deeper into the, into the detail and data, uh, I think that what we might see is that the most acquisitions were primarily closed by the public game companies. And uh, we personally think that such strong deal activity, uh, you know, by public game companies was primarily driven by favorable uh, underlying market conditions that we see nowadays and the notable increase of, of valuation of publicly traded companies. So they get some cheap money uh, on the markets and uh, have increased their appetite significantly for the new acquisitions, you know, grow, uh, trying to scale uh, at a faster pace than, than uh, typical organic growth. Yeah, to me, like the whole, I think, spending time on the public market, like what happened there uh, for for the webinars is super interesting because I, I believe the, the changes are sort of like more short term versus like the, the early stages anyways, like you're going to be betting for, for several years to see what happens with these companies in the early stage. But 
like in the public market, is it has been a pretty impressive year for 2020. So can you talk about those companies and the most active ones there? Of course. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the slide is there. Um, yeah, sure. Well, as you may see again from the table, there are five most active strategic investors with great influence on the industry. Of course, the number one is Tencent, including its subsidiaries. It's also Embracer, Steelfront, the guys from Sweden, uh, Zynga and Microsoft. And while Zynga and Microsoft expand through mega deals, as we have said earlier, Embracer and Steelfront accelerate their inorganic growth through multiple mid-size acquisitions with medium deal size of uh, $100 million to $200 million. Yeah, pretty impressive. So let's then talk about like what's happening in, in my neighboring country in Sweden, because it's really active uh, what, what happened. I, I've never seen anything like this happen. So gaming is definitely booming in the uh, Stockholm First North Stock Exchange. Can you can you shed some light on that? Yeah, I would say that uh, you know it came like a surprise for everyone uh, with this uh, you know Sweden-based companies uh, having a lot of have, having announced uh, you know a lot of acquisitions uh, throughout 2020. So, for example, if we take a combine all the Swedish game companies, uh, they've been responsible for like over 30% of total number of announced uh, M&A transactions. Uh, in the gaming sector. So as you can see here in the pie chart, that is a significant value driven by uh, Sweden-based companies. Of course, on the top list was Embracer, which uh, you know uh, I would say several times announced multiple acquisitions uh, on one day, um, followed by Steelfront, which is more focused on mobile platform, but also you know with the recent acquisition of Sandbox Interactive um, has added its own PC, uh, PC-based studio. And uh, then followed by I would say an interesting companies that will probably select the same way of growing as Embracer and Steelfront uh, did, like Inet Global, MTG, Thunderful Group that has actually recently uh, made a IPO raising 150 million plus. Uh, so yeah, I think that uh, you know looking forward uh, in 2020, what we should expect is this that. Uh, we will see more acquisitions coming from these companies since all of them are, you know, sitting on the cash. So there are plenty of cash that they have raised. If I'm not mistaken, Embrace right now has over 3 billion uh, waiting for new acquisitions. Uh, so Lars will, uh, of course, expand his empire of uh, gaming studios. Uh, and um, what's, what, what was interesting, you know, if we speak about each one of them is that Embracer, for example, starting this year, acquired several mobile gaming studios. So they have not only changed their focus from the PC premium market, but changed it to GAS, acquiring such studios as Saber Interactive, making some uh, uh, DLC for Metro series, acquiring 4A games, and right now entering in the mobile space. So uh, that's a very interesting strategy. And uh, let's see whether there, there will be you know, more mobile deals coming from Embracer. On the other hand, we expect the steel front to continue acquire mobile studios. I don't personally, again, this is not an, a, <laughs> this is not a public advice for anyone, but just, I don't think that person is still front will change their focus and move into the PC and console segment. I think it's pretty hard to do. Uh, so they will probably continue acquiring other mobile gaming studios. And uh, again, you know, analyzing the uh, strategies, the way they prefer to grow. Uh, I think that Embrace and Steel Front are still very different. If uh, Embracer is like an M&A machine acquiring everything uh, on the market, uh, of course, like selecting, yes, the targets, but still it's hard to imagine that the, the gaming company can acquire 25 studios and get this synergy immediately. I mean, like imagine they've made one really, uh, uh, I would say big acquisition like Saber, then it was followed by several mid-size acquisitions and then a lot of small acquisitions. So I think that we will see what's gonna happen with the Bracer in 2021 and how we're gonna deal with all of that, you know, people growing, people, uh, employees growing uh, in the company and a lot of new problems maybe rise in the future. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, regarding, I sorry, sorry, sorry Joachim, regarding, regarding uh, your uh, mention of the neighboring country, we're also, 
uh, somehow expecting some companies from Finland, you know, to join the race. And I especially liked your tweet uh, last year about uh, Helsinki being the capital of gaming in Europe. Uh, and uh, <laughs> followed yeah. by Istanbul, I, I believe. Yeah, it was Istanbul. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. It's, I think there are certain differences with like the public market uh, and how, how you can leverage it with these countries. But yeah, it's it's probably a topic for another webinar at some point. <laughs> so, like, uh, let's get back to to the Swedish public companies a bit later in this webinar. But like, let's mm-hmm. just look at the overall public market at the moment. Hmm. Yeah. Sure. So, uh, do we see the yeah the public yes. market activity? Um, the public offering activity nearly uh, grounded to halt in the first quarter of the last year. It was only $300 million, but it shot the rebound, demonstrating a strong growth afterward. So in the second quarter of the 2020, it was uh, $4.6 billion, and it's eventually surpassed $15.1 billion by the end of the year. Obviously, the major event here is uh, the Unity IPO, uh the uh, the unity software sorry raised 1.3 billion dollars with a current market cap for close to 40 billion dollars so we shall see where this goes obviously but they really have shaken up the ipo market last year so despite macroeconomic volatility uh, that is uh, right now in the market the renewed uh, you know, investor interest in the gaming space and the gaming vertical have stimulated IPOs and capital raising for many public companies uh, in the second half of the year, as we can see here. So overall, uh, around 10 game companies went public uh, and uh, eight more announced plans to go public. Among them, such companies as Playtica, Fuji Games, Roblox, uh, then recently, Motorsport, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Games also announced uh, the plan to go IPO. So uh, th- that's an interesting thing that is happening right now in the market. And uh, despite this, we also observe that many of the gaming companies have raised money, like Steelfront and Embracer, for, for an acquisitions using their capital yes, uh, to make those. So uh, I think that with interest rates uh, being slow, we have also observed uh, you know, ma- many companies uh, using the opportunity to refinance their existing credit facilities. That was done by Activision Blizzard, by Zynger, uh, given that interest rates are really at historical lows right now. That also have boosted the overall public offerings activity in the second quarter. So yeah, here just uh, you know uh, just some uh, examples of you know we've been talking a lot about you know favorable market dynamics yes and the prices going up. Uh, so here's just for our uh, listeners uh, the graph uh, that they can see how the how the prices of the major large cap public gaming companies that everybody knows have increased throughout uh, during the sec- uh, during the last two years. So if you if you if you look here for example the um, the Activision Blizzard and Take-Two Interactive has shown almost 90% increase in share price over the last uh, two years. That's an incredible growth. I mean, for for the for the gaming company, uh, of course, you know, <laughs> comparing this with Tesla, <laughs> that's not that's not such interesting. But if we're speaking about the Tesla, <laughs> we can look at the Sweden <laughs> gaming companies, and here you see uh, much extensive growth. Yes, so for example, the Steelfront. Uh, again, share price uh, like uh, increased almost eight times, uh, while Embracer show three times increase. That's we incredible. Actually, That's incredible. We actually, absolutely, we actually have, I believe, a question uh, from the audience, and uh, uh, they also mentioned Tesla there. But I guess we'll get to that later a bit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's sort of growth at all cost mentality, which definitely has a lot of upside. Uh, do you want to to give some predictions for next year at this stage before we go to the questions? Because I have a few things in mind and I have a sh- slide here as well. Uh, but do you do you want to talk about the, the, the market uh, at the moment? And what it's looking like for 2021? Yeah, yeah. So I would say that most of your of uh, our predictions you will find out in our report later today to be published on investgame.net. 
sorry, Joachim, just a small <laughs> advertising here. Sure. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I think that as we observed in 2020, uh, public game, game companies will be the key driver of M&As going forward. And I think that it's going to be, you know, uh, the trend will continue. Uh, with Tencent and Nordic companies, uh, you know, continue consolidation of the market and many US gaming companies joining this M&A game. I think that the Zynga will also join the game. They have just recently closed very large transactions and they took some time, you know, to integrate it, to kind of make synergy out of it. So probably will join. Uh, we also have recently seen the announcement of, uh, you know, Take-Two and Electronic Arts competing for Codemasters. So they're also probably joining this M&A game uh, in the, in the year, you know, uh, so yeah, we should expect, uh, more M&A activity from public game companies. Uh, the second prediction, I think maybe that, uh, large game companies, despite having, you know, uh, huge activity in the M&A side, will also bring more investments in the video game industry, forcing the competition with the traditional VC, uh, funds. So as we can see right now, for example, uh, Apple and, uh, Sorry, uh, but, uh, Supercell, yes, <laughs> Supercell. <laughs> yes, Supercell also joining the game of corporate investment. My games itself is also very active at uh, making corporate investments. So yeah, I think that the competition will overall increase and why we see funds have, uh, you know, uh, attractive, I would say, uh, terms uh, for the partnership, probably they can't bring, even if they try to, they can't bring that much uh, expertise, you know, and that much help to the studios looking to scale to another level, you know, at a very short period of time. But of course, at the cost of valuation. So, I mean, like if you select the independent, uh, you know, independent growth with the VCs, you of course will, will have much higher valuation probably at the later stage when you select to work with the, with the corporate, uh, with the corporation. Anton? Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. And all, yeah, and um, upon the whole, well, we have like agree, I believe that uh, this has just started. I mean, what we saw, what, what we saw from the report in 2020, this is all like an early beginning, I believe, and there will be no uh, correction in uh, 2021. And uh, even if the lockdown ends, which has been a major one of the major boosts uh, for uh, the for this this market craziness, I would say. So yeah, uh, this even if the lockdowns end, I believe uh, it will not stop anytime soon, at least in 2021. Because, I mean, first, uh, I mean the end of the end of the lockdown is not going to happen in a day, right? So it's going to take months. And uh, the second point being that uh, there's already a habit. There's, there's already a habit of playing new, of playing games for those new audiences. And they're not going to drop this habit anytime soon. Uh, so on this, I agree with Sergey that um, the race is going to get faster. More, company, more companies sorry, will join it. And uh, we're in for something really great this year i mean uh judging by that take two uh, attempt to acquire codemasters obviously they're gonna they still have those money they're still gonna buy try at least to buy something else uh apart from that uh we believe that uh game industry focused venture capital and private equity fundraising will continue to evolve increasing the amount of uh those investments globally and uh, we also believe that we'll see some more successful ipos of the gaming companies so uh the key candidates are well obviously epic games something is definitely brewing there scopely app 11 as well um uh taking into account the fact that well, it's again, it's not the, the whole lockdown thing, unfortunately, uh, for many people, it's not going to end anytime soon. And institutional investors will continue to increase their allocations in uh, public game companies, public game companies. Um, so this roll up thing, right, this roll up strategy, uh, some more companies will definitely uh, try to use them. 
And well, we, uh, as, a, as a consequence of what we have said, we expect a higher level of valuation multiples in both public and private markets compared to the beginning of last year. So that's basically what we expect in 2021. Yeah, I'll throw in some of my my predictions for 2021. So I'm, I'm looking at the, the public companies and their buying spree. I think that's like, how do they grow is the big question. Like there's now a lot of competition from Playtica doing, uh, going public soon. Uh, huge Games doing the same. There's Scopely rumors at least uh, that Scopely will be doing that. And all the existing uh, public companies, including the, the very bullish Swedish companies there as well. So I think we're reaching a point where there's more gaming studios, like, you know, it's doubling the amount of public companies out there who are thinking about M&A, uh, which like didn't exist like two years ago. And, and a big question for everybody will be like, how do they grow as companies? Because uh, that is basically what the, the market will be rewarding them for is the growth. So there's two two options. I, I think first I want to cover the MA side from my perspective. Like besides these studios like Playtica, Huge, Scopely, who are games companies, we have the Swedish holding companies who are already big in MA and they built the plumbing to bring in and consolidate these studios fairly well. I think Steelfront is doing an awesome job. Uh, from what I've heard from everybody who's close to to Steelfront. And then you have companies like Singa and Playtica who haven't been as active uh, or aggressive. I would say even though Zynga did place a big bet in 2020, I think it's doing more conservative, uh, you know, bigger work regarding building the relationships, whatnot. I think there was a there was an interesting interview with uh, on Deconstructor and uh, where they were in interviewing uh, Chris Petrovich from who left Singer recently. He was heading the MA and he talked a lot about like how they're doing the approach, which I feel is a bit different. There are some differentiations from the Swedish companies. But then what, what really happens for 2021 is is the situation like these are big question marks where I don't really know. Like, are the best candidates already been picked? So is the MA space sort of like empty? Uh, or is the discussion still going on? I believe there are a lot of options, a lot of companies still public, which are great companies uh, to go and acquire. Uh, and my belief there is that the MA will start focusing more on younger studios which could be you know pre-revenue but but they have you know awesome games in soft launch which is already one of the the major hurdles in gaming is to just discover a game that retains players so in a sense you already like pass that point of mna where you could uh, think about hey this is probably not going to help us on the ebitda side but it will like it will be better than than going and building these games on our own. Like think about the merge gaming space now, which is really hot and there's a lot of players in that space. Also the hybrid casual with Archero being the first game, sort of like big game there, but there's there's more. And of course, like games like uh, uh, Moon Active with Coinmaster is sort of a, a newcomer into this space. Uh, so, Besides the MA for growth, then you have the option to, to start launching new games. For these companies, it will be interesting to see if they can actually do any growth outside of MA during 2021, if you just look at the public companies at the moment. So uh, I, I personally cannot really name a hit game that was made by a publicly listed free-to-play company, uh, which became you know a top. 20 game or top 10 game. Uh, Zynga has pretty much like brought all the companies uh, in into the frame, which have built the hit games already previously before they were acquired. Well, if we're speaking about the large cap, yes, sorry, Joachim, if I can just- Yeah, um, just interrupt, please. The yeah. large cap is Call of Duty Mobile, 
which is a great example of very huge companies, you know, collaboration and making something great together. Mm -hmm. I think on the on the right side, which belongs to Tencent, yes, it's uh, Valorant or Laurent. I don't know, like th this in, in UPC console game, yes. So I think that uh, on the one side, yes, it is harder to make something, uh, you know, like great uh, organically within the business. But still, I think that uh, those studios that have been just recently acquired will continue to make great games. And it's just the question of the strategy, uh, the strategy that you apply when you acquire those studios. Either you make them, you know, create uh, creativity staying free and out of this bureaucracy of future, you know, large uh, public companies. So you're trying uh, to, to keep the same culture uh, of the gaming studio that you acquired so that they can continue to be, you know, uh, to continue to have inspiration and something within themselves, you know, to kind of to, to show the market and just helping them with the financial side and with some user acquisition expertise. Or you're joining them to your huge corporation, you know, <laughs> doing what you want and at the budgets that you want. Yeah. So, uh, I uh, well, we've talked a lot about the strategy of the embracer and steel front, and I think that they're right now on the right track, as well as many other companies. So, uh, on the right track uh, of joining the studios, uh, saving the creativity, the original creativity there are, and just helping them with this financial side and user position yes yeah it is in 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 a sense an interesting bet if you acquire 20 companies do you place 20 bets on them finding finding the next hit game uh as a you know an exercise uh so we'll see what happens but then think about like my predictions for the m a strategy regarding like going a bit earlier in what you're acquiring i think it's a clear stage that could be the Series A, uh, where there are uh, developers currently raising, you know, after they've established all the metrics that the game could be scaling, scaled, they raise the Series A. So there is already happening M&A in this side, like Supercell uh, taking this major stake in Metacore, the merge game, merge mansion developer uh, last year. So in a sense, like Supercell, which isn't a public company, but there's a model there uh, where the early, you, if you can move early as a public company and secure sort of titles that are coming out in 2021 or 2022 after they've been in soft launch for a year uh, might be an interesting strategy that I'm, I'm at least looking for, forward to seeing more. Uh, but yeah, the challenge there is that there, like in these cases, there wouldn't be an immediate effect on the EBITDA of all, any of these these companies. So I think the the challenge there is to educate the market on these pre-revenue opportunities as being a, a smart acquisition move. Do you guys have well, anything I, I to add before that... we go to Q&A? Yeah, yeah. So just if you if you maybe, you know, uh comments uh, comments to your words so i think that that this is like a two different strategies the strategy number one you acquire a profitable sustainable gaming studios and helping them to scale to the next level where they already know you know already understand the user acquisition they already understand a lot of things that how does it work and how to scale the game and probably need some i don't know like uh maybe like big brother to compete with the, with the big guys within the genre that's number one strategy. Yes, this is like acquisition, like Stormate, for example. These guys were already very successful. So probably there is a very small help from Steelfront, you know, on, on their side, because Stormate was already a very successful business. And many others that they have already acquired were already a very sustainable and good business. And completely a different strategy is when you're trying, you know, from this uh, very risky stage at the soft launch or just, you know, just the start of the global release, helping the guys to scale. Because uh, despite that, you have to share your user acquisition expertise. You also have to teach them. You also have to show them how to do it. You also have to, you know, kind of uh, overcome all the problems with, together with them. And this requires a lot of attention, a lot of people, a lot of work, and a lot of, uh, I would say, resources of the huge strategics. 
and not, uh, I would say, not all of them are ready to provide this help. I mean, like the, the approach that you were speaking about is more like about the approach of my games. Yes. So we, what we are trying to do is we're trying to help the studios at the at this stage. Yes, we're overcoming all these problems. So uh, that that's a little bit different way. That's a typical difficult way. But still, we we have a track of success doing those. And and I think that uh, what you've mentioned regarding this, are there left any good um, any good studios left for for M and A in the years you know in the following years? Well, first of all, uh, what we have discovered in 2020 is the delisting of public gaming companies. So even if you're public, it doesn't mean that you can be acquired. We've seen this with the layout technologies. Uh, we've seen this with the Codemasters right now, yes, with Electronic mm -hmm. Arts competing for this. So still, public gaming companies are still there, and large uh, gaming businesses like Tencent, like, you know, Big Four, <laughs> let's call them this way, uh, can still can, can you know consolidate those companies and acquire those studios if they find it reasonable uh, for them. Uh, second, uh, what we will observe is, I'm absolutely agree with you, that the average check size will probably, you know, uh, the, the average you know, revenue uh, of the target will probably decrease because a lot of already well-established gaming businesses has been acquired. Uh, there are, of course, uh, studios left, great studios left on the market that still can be acquired. But I think that uh, some of them will also think about the IPO way. Yes, think, thinking about staying independent, evolving the business further without joining, uh, joining someone else. Uh, so yes, uh, absolutely agree that probably we will see more uh, M&As moving from these large sustainable businesses more towards some small businesses which just you know in the scaling uh phase so yeah absolutely agree here yeah and i love listening to him like he's, he can go on and on with this man <laughs> <laughs> yeah like just quick comment on that i think like if you go early the problem there is that if you go the vc route at that scaling phase versus get acquired uh you're sort of like keeping your independence and maybe you know in in, in few years your company could be a unicorn versus if you sell too early so i think this is the the big question that then the founders and like the early stage vcs will you know contemplate uh, on like what is actually happening when the game game starts scaling so yeah it's it's not a I'm not sure bet for sure, like going that route is difficult. We actually have, I believe, a question which is pretty much about the same. Let's jump into the questions. Yeah, I think it's it's good. Uh, first, first, let's go chronologically. The first question, uh, in case it hasn't been covered by the end, uh, when, how this M&A craze will end and who will be the losers? <laughs> Uh, talking on the, the dev side of it, um, maybe. What are your thoughts, guys? Well, again, as we have uh, as we have mentioned in the prediction section, so we do not think that this craze will end at least in this year, obviously. So it's not the stakes are super high, and um, I, I I personally do not believe that uh, the public companies will like uh pull a stop on this thing this year and again the habits are there and the lockdown is here and so the all of these patterns that has been that have been uh developed last year they're all here so the craze will not stop and um as for the losers well i'm not sure about the correct uh like the the, the the correct position of the of the question so obviously the losers uh there might be none i believe so the gaming well the gaming will have its correction obviously uh and it's only a question of time but as for the losers i'm not sure there will be any but maybe i don't know sergey has another opinion yeah i would say that you know, speaking about this M and activity, that uh, you know, the, uh, this is not the first year. Yes, when we've seen, I mean, like we've seen a lot of uh, activity in terms of the number of the deals, but the valuation of mergers and acquisitions in the previous years uh, has been also very significant. 
it's just uh, right now we've seen you know a lot of people talking about it. That's why you can have this feeling that the, the market is kind of exploding. So uh, we we should always bear in mind that gaming market is still not mature market. So it's still an evolving and growing market, and the consolidation is still yet to happen. So even though we see such huge players as Tencent, you know, having a lot of stakes somewhere everywhere, probably in each studio in the in the, in the world. <laughs> uh so now it's still a very i would say uh decentralized market so it's not like one company you know owing 30 percent of the market it's not yet uh so but we, we are moving towards it and this is i think this is okay in general for, for the market for the industry you know move towards such way and then you will see new startups you know competing with this old guys etc you know uh this is how the market behaves actually uh, speaking about the losers, I think that's important to understand that not each M&A deal could become a successful deal in terms of the returns uh, that you make on it. So even though uh, the probability of success is much higher, uh, first, because you're strategic and you understand what you're doing, so you have expertise and you, you're, you, know, you have the right people to assess the opportunity and you know, to make the acquisition. Second, because you're not only you know betting, but you're also actually participating in making this deal success. So it's not like you're just uh, evaluating this, uh, the, the target, acquiring it, and just sitting and waiting. No, you're also participating, you're helping it. So it's also your forces included in it to, to become it successful. Uh, but still, not all m and deals are successful. So, uh, Losers, I think that's maybe not, not the best word to describe here, but some of the emergency acquisitions, of course, will be not that much uh, you know, successful in terms of the, of the buyers who made them. Yeah. I think that would be fair to say. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna move on. This is the Tesla question. Like there's, there's a, like, is the game industry kind of like mimicking the general economy of the liquidity and the, the markets and this kind of like, uh, you know, all these consequences of being in this kind of like where there's so much capital available in, in the world uh, where everything's been driven up. Like this, like the whole global like craze that is being going on in the stock markets could have some consequences. Right. What do you guys think? So do you, do you have anything to say? right now i would say that's a difficult question it's more yeah. question related to the investment banker guys you know who are following the market who are reading all this you know public stock reports etc what i can say from my perspective is that market is extremely hot i mean the general market nowadays and the stock prices are really very very large uh, uh have, have shown significant increase despite the macroeconomic situation that we have worldwide so mm -hmm. probably uh, there will be some changes, and even uh, if you go to the Wall Street Journal or I don't know Bloomberg uh, and read the news there, there are also you know a lot of analysts writing about this that there is a note of that that market is really hot right now, and of course, gaming market is not the largest market if we're speaking about you know overall situation of I don't know S and P five hundred. Yes, gaming is very small compared to all the rest guys, big guys like Facebook, like Apple, etc. So. Of, in any way, we will follow, uh, the gaming market will follow uh, the general trend, but it has its own, I would say, its own way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. the only thing that I can answer here. Yeah, yeah, so I don't not, not to be considered an investment advice here, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But for sure, uh, for sure. Uh, what do you guys think? I, I can like answer for sure this this question first like, what do you think about the growth of the merge games genre for 2021 so my personal feeling is because there's there's big studios getting into that game as well uh into that genre i think it the cpi the cost per install will will start increasing uh it's it's sort of like playing the same role as as back in the day with match three when you had king and then all, all the sort of like other puzzle games started appearing, but merge is kind of like a bigger new genre uh, that didn't exist previously and seems like it's being loved by the puzzle audience. So I feel that the problem is that the CPIs will, will start scaling up. So there's not that much time to get 
on the merge bandwagon, I feel. Any thoughts, guys? Uh, well, again, uh, uh, <laughs> the question more related to the, to the I would say, deconstructor of fun <laughs> rather than to, to invest game uh, guys. But still, yes. Uh, come watching. What do, we think, what do we think about the growth? Well, uh, that's kind of somehow new gameplay, yes, that came to the market. It will happen in 2021 that there will be a new trend again. So it happens each year. So what, what can we say? What do we think? We think that this is great. This is great that still, uh, you know, there were 20, 20, 20 plus years, I don't know, like 15 plus years, yes, since launch of App Store and Google Play. And the gaming, the, the mobile gaming market always have something new to introduce to the people. That's great. That's the only thing I think we can say here. And there was some deal, not only with the Supercell, but also Big Fish Games acquiring Evermerge. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, from, the, from the global perspective, uh, the more the merrier, obviously. The more audiences are there in mobile gaming, in console gaming, well, speaking about merge in mobile gaming, uh, the better, better for all of us. And uh, again, taking into account the fact that um, people are still mostly sitting at their homes and the at-home entertainment industry is getting boosted, is still getting boosted, actually. So yeah, it's gonna it's gonna go on, and I agree with Joachim here that um, it is it will soon be probably uh, too late to get onto this train. And uh, well, if the if 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 the question is about whether and how soon will it end, then I guess not in two thousand twenty one, at least. Yeah. Uh, a question here, which we sort of touched base on, but if you have anything to add. So the concern with the Swedish market, uh, with this investments growing so fast, valuation so high, is there a risk there of sort of overcooking? How do you feel? Anything to add to what we already said? Uh, I would say the general risk. Uh, is to understand whether all these acquisitions would really add value, uh, you know, on a sustainable basis, meaning not only in 2021, uh, 22, sorry, adding EBITDA, yes, as a result of the acquisition, but what is going to happen with all of the studios in the years going forward. So we should all, uh, what, what shall we you know, do in order to understand uh, other, uh, either this is like a growing too fast or not, is to look for the studios that have been acquired, look at the metrics, look at the revenue, uh, financial, what is happening with that? And uh, you can find all this information, the annual reports of all these Sweden-based companies, so uh, or Epeni, or Magic, or Sensor Tower. So, in order to understand whether it's growing too fast or not too fast, uh, we should look at the data and then compare uh, what were the initial targets and what is really happening with those. So far, so good. Yes, <laughs> that's what the, that's what all the yeah, yeah. Do you do you feel that, that there's another question here regarding the bigger acquisitions that happened with like the test, like the the whole the Codemasters deal, Zenimax, like bigger deals versus then the smaller deals of Embracer and the others? Uh, do you think any of these groups may be overstretching or ultimately heading for a, a fall, a big fall there? It does seem to me that uh, you know there's the vibe of everyone expecting things to go down suddenly like uh judging by the questions at least like everybody's like waiting for the for the companies to fall to fail <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah personally well, i i feel okay. that there is definitely like uh the the risk regarding like game launches is always the trickiest bit like we saw with cd project and cyberpunk uh that's a big sort of like a reminder of what already happened in, yeah. in 2021, <laughs> like sort of like the ramifications are now sort of like being seen. There's there's this point uh, that um, when we're speaking about such huge, such mega deals like Microsoft and, uh, you know, uh, Codemasters and Electronic Arts, that uh, it, um, it may be easy to get overexcited uh, when there is that big money and such big money and uh, everyone is everyone is talking about games and the gaming market uh it is very much easy 
uh, to forget that it's actually a kind of complicated process. I mean, the game development and making games in either mobile or console or PC games. And um, the example that you have just brought with the CD Projekt Red proves that with even with lots of experience, with years uh, of production and with millions of dollars in the budget, it may still be uh, very much possible to fail. So, uh, well, personally, I will not make any bets of who will actually fail in the, in the years to come, maybe may 2021, 2022, or I don't know, maybe four or five years later. But obviously, the chance is always there. Um, again, uh, even well, talking, talking about the Zenimax deal, so uh, we all remember what happened with the Fallout 76. And um, yeah, the chance is always there. But um, I mean, talking about the big fall for anyone in particular, I would not place any bet right now. Mm. Yeah. So a question about the IDFA. I think we didn't touch base on that yet. So it's good to kind of cover. My personal feeling is that this is one of those changes that sort of like all the boats that are sort of like floating at the moment at the surface, which are the games companies, the tide will go down and everybody will follow the tide and then it will sort of like come back when everybody knows what they should be doing. So basically CPIs will be balanced according to, to what people are figuring out. I think people sort of share that information and there won't be like somebody holding, you know, the secret sauce for, for a year and the rest will be struggling. I don't know what, what's your take? Uh, I would say on the m side, maybe right now, some buyers, you know, trying to hedge their positions and risks around making acquisitions of the, of the studios, which will be most probably affected the most by the IDFA. So we should probably see this uh, happening in the market. So, uh, but I think that eventually this year, uh, maybe it will somehow a little bit stop the, the M&A activity if some concerns would arise. I mean, like if some concerns would arise and everybody will understand that they need to take some time to understand how to tackle this problem uh, with the IDFA, yes, what will really happen. Uh, but I would say uh, each year there are problems that arise from from nowhere, you know, uh, and this is like a typical problem uh, that each gaming company should solve. It's not like for for someone, uh, it's for everyone. So I think that uh, gaming companies uh, will deal with this. And uh, in general, again, it will not influence maybe uh, the market that much. It's just going to be the new rules and we will just follow them. Yeah, I, I feel the same way, really. Uh, moving on here, um, we didn't really talk about what really is happening after, because you covered the, the, the private investing side, the VC landscape, um, but there's not much interest happening in the series C, D, E. Well, there's Scopely doing big stuff and uh, do you think like these studios that are remaining independent until that point, uh, like, is there still like some kind of advantage of a platform to be built there where they could leverage other forms of capital uh, besides going into to the public market? What do you think? Well, at least what... We, we observed in 2020, yes, all these huge rounds were raised by companies which are already very profitable and uh, don't have any issues with, you know, financing their operations. And I think that if you're speaking about the game developers, uh, speaking about Series C round, they're most definitely 99% are profitable because gaming business in general is profitable. It, it's not like Uber. <laughs> so the economy, the, the unit economy there is uh let's say quite clear uh that it should result in profitability moving forward now there can be a scaling phase in the beginning but it's not serious c round i think it's serious a when you might need some certain amount of money going with negative ebitda scaling the game and then have profitability so 
Returning back to the question with a series C round, the only thing that you, you would need to raise money is to make probably acquisitions. So probably growing uh, much faster than you can do on your own basis. Uh, that at least what we have seen with, uh, I think, AppLogin, uh, with Scopely. Uh, haven't seen that much with Roblox yet, uh, but Roblox is going public. So, and Epic Games was also, you know, very active in terms of the acquisitions uh, this year. So probably they're raising money for the acquisitions. Uh, will there be any other independent studios going forward? I think, yes, uh, there will be. There, there are always some, I would say some studios that prefer to stay independent, uh, prefer to do it on their own way. And uh, yep, that's the only thing I, uh, I can comment here. Yeah. One final question for both of you. What will be the next big M&A target this year? <laughs> I'll go like last. <laughs> <laughs> you mean mega deal or you mean Yeah, like the biggest like one? Several billion. That's again, that's not an that's not the, you know, the recommendation to. It's just a wild guess. Yes. But I'm gonna guys you gonna let you guys guess first. Okay. Uh, I think it's Moon Active will be bought. I think that will happen by somebody. They won't <laughs> buy other companies. They will be bought. Get bought. Uh, well, uh, I, I know for sure that there'll be a lot of successful IPOs. So this will probably maybe one some several of them will be like huge IPOs. But but not sure for this because they don't they don't have any intention to raise money. So probably we'll choose direct listing, uh, given that recently U.S. Uh, U.S. market has approved uh, direct listing as the procedure to go in public without uh, raising too much money. So they'll be probably you know uh, they'll become more popular among gaming companies in particular. That's for sure. Uh, speaking about large acquisitions or large large deal, maybe Plarix would come up with something. And if Flaric is gonna, you know, do something uh, with all that they have, it's gonna be huge. <laughs> it's mm. gonna be very huge. Yeah. So let's see. Let's see. Yeah. All right. Anton is gonna give. Something. Yeah. So you guys are talking about um, mobile only, right? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, or and... whatever feels like in the gaming space is gonna be big. <laughs> yeah. I'll just have to think about this. I'm not sure about the like the particular one particular target, but. Um... I'm thinking about more about the multi-platform target, and that might be, uh, well, there are a lot of candidates, man. I'm just unsure about the one single, the one in particular. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, talk about Codemasters, right? Mm. That is not one obvious target for the for the acquisition, at least for me. I mean. But still, at a uh, billion point two dollars there. So mm, I'm just—I'll just have to think about that. And uh, as since there are some several questions left, I guess we could like collect them and maybe answer later. Yeah, we bit. could do the the answering in the your newsletter and mine as well. So will will they be available after the webinar? Yeah, they will. Okay, because uh, I have seen every one of them, and uh, there are some interesting left. Yeah, so yeah, we'll I get would... back to those. Yeah, okay. And uh, the one for the sorry, there's some anonymous question about Zynga buying Rolic. So I've just dropped a link to Invest Game. Sorry about that, Joachim. <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah, like we've covered the, we've, <laughs> we've covered the, the the deal last year, and there's strategic rationale there. So you were just gonna go for the link and uh, maybe read about that. And if you still got a question, maybe we can like uh, drop us the message on, on the, um, I don't know, Facebook, LinkedIn, anywhere. Yeah. And maybe just to finish the general disclaimer, all our opinions are our own opinions and not our opinion of my games or, or any company that we you know working with. So please bear that in mind. That's just a personal, Friendly talk with Joachim. <laughs> yeah. 
it's nothing too serious. <laughs> we just uh, we're just guys who love games a lot. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, the report is it is it now there on investgame.net? People can get it. We will place it later today. So okay. just follow the investgame.net and you will see it here. And of course, we will share it with you, Joachim. Cool. All right, we'll be sharing that. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Take care. Enjoy the day. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. Stay safe. Thanks again, Anton and Sergey, for joining me on the webinar. The guys have actually put out the report now, so you can get that from investgame.net. Uh, you can find a lot more details that we actually didn't even discuss on the episode. But before you go, please check out our newsletter at elitegamedevelopers.com newsletter, where I'm writing a weekly newsletter every Friday about what's going on in the gaming space. What am I kind of uncovering as I'm doing investments, talking to gaming startups? Uh, check that out and I'll see you next time on the podcast. Take care. Bye bye.